Hello and welcome in to the Nicholas Natalie Show. I'm Jason, the Nicholas Natalie Show super fan, and I am so thrilled to introduce this week's guest, Dr. Kelly Henry, perhaps better known as the customer service doctor. Dr. Kelly Henry ran a successful chiropractic company for nearly two decades and over the past several years has become a highly reputable business coach, helping businesses increase profits by shifting their culture from a focus on sales to a focus on service. That's right. Increase profits by providing better service. Talk about a win-win. If that sounds interesting, and of course it does, check out Dr. Henry's book, Define and Deliver Exceptional Customer Service. And since you're checking things out, check out some Nicholas Natale Show merchandise for some awesome gear. Check out our YouTube channel and subscribe for new videos every Monday. Find these links and so much more in the show notes for this episode. And while you're at it, drop us a five-star review for a chance at a personal shout-out from Nicholas himself as our reviewer of the week. I know you're excited to get to the episode, so I'll leave you now with the riddle of the week. How do construction workers party? Stick around to the end of the episode to find out. Until then, uncap your pens, unclose your notebooks, because there's so much here you won't want to unlearn. Here's Nick. Hello and welcome. This is the Nicholas Natale Show. I'm your host, Nicholas Natale. Today we have a very special guest, Dr. Kelly Henry. Season's greetings, Dr. Kelly. Thank you, Nicholas. I appreciate the opportunity to be on this great show. Oh, I'm I'm super excited to have you. Uh, we're going to dive right into it. Here's what I know. Let's go. You are a retired chiropractor turned consultant with 20 years of business experience. And I want to know, how has the experience of running your own chiropractic business transferred over to consulting other industries? That's a great question. Um, the thing about business is, you know, every industry is different and they have their own intricacies, but they all have some of the, uh, some very strong similarities, you know, mm. hiring and firing and, and uh, marketing and customer retention and, and things of that nature. So um, it's, you know, there's been some differences, obviously, but for me, I think there's more similarities than differences between the industries that I, I consult with. Yeah, I imagine money comes in, money goes out, and if you're above the money line, that's that's the common that, <laughs> common goal everybody's chasing. That basically sums it up exactly. <laughs> so, are there any core internal procedures that almost every organization faces? Um, and if so, what would that really boil down to? And I mean, kind of like, I almost mean in, in like a, almost a day-to-day kind of sense. Does that make sense? It does. Although I have a little higher view and it's almost along the lines of what you just mentioned, but you know, everything boils down to everybody wants to get customers. Every business needs to get customers. Everybody needs to, every business needs to keep those customers and that's where a lot of businesses miss the boat. And that's really where I fill in the gap. And then everybody needs to make a profit to keep their doors open or to keep their business running. So that's really the key. So marketing, you know, making sales, getting those customers, keeping the customers, keeping them happy. That's where customer service really comes into play. And then being able to balance the the business side of things so you continue to make a profit so you can continue to service and and help uh, help those customers in, in what you uh, you provide or uh, the product that you have. Right. And I, I mean, from what I've seen, it seems like you've been able to f- find some ways to streamline a lot of the the processes that each business faces. So with your own business over the course of time as it kept going, what were some areas that you were able to streamline to become more effective? Well, I'm a, I'm very 
simple. <laughs> mm-hmm. So what I mean by that is um, I try to take, you know, complex issues and break them down and just make them very sim- simplistic. So what mm-hmm. I did in my business, and, and and it took me a while to figure this out, um, and we, we were just talking before you hit record that, uh, you know, not to compare yourself to, to others uh, mm-hmm. because that's a no-win situation. And there was a time in my chiropractic practice that I compared it to, you know, a couple of buddies or colleagues or people that I knew were doing phenomenally well. And I tried to kind of mimic them and they were, they were doing this procedure and they had this piece of equipment and they were doing, you know, weight loss mm-hmm. and other things. And it, for me, it just muddied the water in my business. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it basically, my, my focus was broadened and, and I didn't focus on anything as well as I should have. So when I finally learned that, hey, what I need to do is just be really, really good, get really, really good at one or two things and streamline mm-hmm. those. And then let's, let's see how that plays out. And that's what I did. I just got really, really good at a couple procedures and how I communicated it and how my office staff understood it and how they were able to communicate it. Um, and that's when my businesses really took off. What did you choose to focus on? Because I've actually, that's funny you mentioned that. I, I recently was told that it is better to dig one really deep hole rather than seven shallow holes because you get more out of it. And I'm, I'm assuming that's the metaphor of like really just ho- focus in on what you, what you would do best at to serve others kind of deal. So what did you end up focusing on? Well, and it, you know, like you just said, I, the quote I like is let's, let's get a hundred percent better at one thing than 1% better at a hundred things. You know? Um, So this is from a chiropractic standpoint, but I just got really good at my adjusting skills and communicating that to my patients instead of Mm. communicating my, you know, adjusting and and health um, and then trying to sell them supplements and trying to help them understand why they need this piece of machinery to help them out or to do weight loss or this other piece of machinery, all these other things that were just muddy in the water. So I just got really good at my adjusting skills and communicating how that would help them be healthier and really health in general, to be honest with you. Mm. Cause I, mm. I like to take the approach that, that, from a chiropractic standpoint, yeah, what I did in adjusting patients' spines and helping their nervous system was a key component, but it wasn't the only thing they needed. They needed to learn how to eat better and exercise and drink water and maybe take some supplements. And there's other factors that help people be healthy. So I always wanted to communicate that too, but basically just communicate health. And then, like I mentioned, be really good at my, my adjusting skills. And again, once I narrowed down that focus, that's when... Mm -hmm things really took off in my business. Hmm. So do you think that, or maybe tell me if this is correct, that streamlining procedures could even start with just removing, I don't know if distractions is the best word, but removing all of the fat from our kind of our, our business, like what, whatever our business is doing that one thing is a streamlined or a way to streamline the rest of our business. Like it falls into place after you do that? I do. <laughs> okay. Now, now every business is different, obviously. And, and they're, you know, a lot of businesses have to have several 
pieces in play or several products or several procedures um, mm-hmm. to cumulatively create the profit that they need. Um, so what I would say to them is just look at each each one of those pieces individually and see if you could narrow it down and maybe communicate or provide or um, help each of those procedures be more streamlined um, and maybe not just narrow down into one if that's not feasible. But there's always ways to, you know, to break things down into simpler terms to be more efficient in, in what you're doing. So um, it can be collectively or in my case where it's just one thing and let's just narrow down on it. Mm-hmm. When you're going through the, the focusing in process, what metrics did you use to say, okay, me honing in on my adjustment skills is going to have the best ROI, or I'm seeing the best ROI? Were you basing it off of profits or how customers were feeling or the more customers that were coming in? What are some like ground metrics I might be able to utilize for my own business. That. Um, but basically you touched, touched on them. So we would survey and talk to, talk to the patients about our procedures and what we provide. Um, mm-hmm. and then certainly, you know, the cash flow from the different, uh, you know, the different items that I provided. Mm-hmm. Um, and when patients are saying we could really care less about that and yeah. then, <laughs> on the bottom line, the cash flow is not really coming in on, or, mm-hmm. you know, we're seeing where just the adjusting and these certain things are creating, you know, 80% of our income and, mm-hmm. but we're spending 80% of our time trying to get, you know, the other 20% of our income out of these other items, you know, it's the classic 80, mm-hmm. 20 rule. Well, mm-hmm. it's time to shift gears and, and just, get, get really good at what's creating the greatest impact. And that's what we did. Um, the thing that, that helped the most is really just checking with the patients. You know, obviously you want to look at bottom line and numbers and whatnot, but you know, the patients will tell you, uh, customers mm-hmm. will tell you, you know, we, we care mm-hmm. less about that, you know, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, we're going to talk about customer service here in a minute. Um, customers care about customer service. They care about being valued. They care, you know, mm-hmm. they don't care that, you know, you have, you know, a the best equipment new, around new equipment or, you know, a, a special whatever, or this or that, mm-hmm. if they don't feel valued, they could care less about that. They're not going to want to utilize it. Um, and mm-hmm. it'll affect your bottom line. So, um, so that's what you have, that's what you have to be careful with. So let's hop into it then let's hop into it a little bit. Cause, cause that's a great point of making the customer feel valued. Cause I, when I was doing my research on this and, uh, I saw your, your expertise in customer service. First thing that came to mind was Chick-fil-A, right? Like every time I go through the drive through, they're making me feel like they want me there. And I'm Absolutely. like, you guys are working. Um, so, so what do you, what do you, how do you portray to customers that they are valued, that it's beyond just this product or service that it is, Hey, we also care about you. Well, it's consistency, consistency mm-hmm. in the delivery. So, and that's where a lot of businesses run into trouble. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they provide great customer service at times, but it's never consistent. You know, Chick-fil-A, you are going to be, you're going to make the V feel valuable every time you, you drive, you know, go through the drive through mm-hmm. or you walk into that establishment, you know, they're going to say my pleasure to you. They're mm-hmm. going to be attentive to your needs. They're going to smile at you and they do yeah. it. Every time, with every customer, every day, with every meal. 
Um, yeah. and that's where so many businesses, like I mentioned, just don't get it. Um, mm-hmm. It's so inconsistent. And the problem with being inconsistent is from a consumer standpoint is the consumer is going to remember the time where you're not good with your customer mm-hmm. service, where they don't feel valued, where they had a bad experience. And that's what they're going to remember. And the, the stat is a customer, it, well, it takes 12 great experiences to make up for that one bad experience. The problem is you may not get that additional 12 experiences to make up for that one bad experience because depending on how bad the experience is, that customer's out the door and they're going to your competitors. So that that's a big issue. Consistency is just a killer of great customer service. Oh my gosh, that stat really hits home. And I don't mean to stay on fast food, but I I went to Burger King once and I got a mosquito in my fries and I've never been back. And I'm like, I, that's a perfect example of like, it only took one time for there to be a mosquito in my fries for me to not come back. But <laughs> to your point that, yeah, consistency really does matter. Um, so, okay. So then let's say when you're, when you're, talking with um, a client who is trying to elevate their customer service game. When, whenever you put together a customer service plan, what does that process look like? Where do I begin? Well, like I mentioned before, I, I want to be really good at just a few things. All righty. Mm-hmm. And so I work with businesses on just a very few core pieces that really every customer wants. So basically, they want to feel valued, obviously. So we're going to work big on that. Um, We're going to work on being more efficient and really faster in the business because, you know, we live in a microwave society. Everybody wants everything now. Um, And so the more efficient, the less less problems or the, the more convenient you are for your consumers, the greater they will love you for it. So when you mesh, you know, that friendliness and being consistent and you're super quick and fast and convenient, man, that, that is top, you know, you're going to be top of the, uh, top of the pinnacle as far as, uh, the customer service hierarchy and just outshine all your competition, regardless of what business you're in. The other thing is being phenomenal at taking care of customers problems. So I get a, as mosquito in my French fries, I'm going to, you know, apologize profusely. You're going to get a whole new meal. You're going to get a coupon for a, another meal. And you're probably going to call from the manager saying, I am so sorry. That'll never happen again. We greatly apologize. Mm-hmm. We take pride in being clean and not having these kind of issues. You know, if there's anything else we can do for you, please let us know and go over the top with that. When you do that from a business standpoint, and they and you make a consumer feel super important and satisfy their needs when they've had when a mistake has been made a problem has been had those customers actually will have a li- a higher level of loyalty to your business those are the ones that are really going to be your advocates and uh, a mouthpiece for your business they're the ones that are going to be telling their friends and families hey i had a problem but my goodness they went overboard and taking care of it and making sure it was rectified, go see them because they they are on top of things and they really care about their customers. So those are really the key aspects. The other key aspect, and this is not so much from the consumer standpoint, it's more internally for the business, but is to make sure 
that the employees are treated as good, if not better than the customer. So mm. when we're implementing great, you know, the customer service protocols, we want to make sure the owners, the business leaders, the managers understand this concept that they have to treat their employees very, very good and give them that wow experience and make them feel valued for them to turn around, the, the employees to turn around and be able to make the customers feel valued. So that's a that's a huge component too that we have to most most of the time rectify for most businesses. I heard a stat today. Now um, you mentioned that that it's something along the lines of once someone reaches like a seventy five thousand dollar salary threshold, it changes from their desire to want more monetary incentives to all of the other incentives of like meaningful work and projects they're curious and passionate about how would you yeah recognition how would you say we can pretty much how do we value and incentivize employees from within because i've i've honestly thought that about that at my day job because there are people who have hit the seventy five thousand mark and have plateaued completely so how do you keep your employees satisfied and happy I haven't come across that stat, but I would, I'm not saying it's wrong, but I've seen it in my offices where, you know, I had lower entry level employees that, you know, I, I was paying them pretty good, but you know, they're not making $75,000 a year, but they mm. craved having recognition. And for me mm. to call them out in front of their peers or in front of the patients and just say, you know, Hey, Susie, or Hey, you know, Jennifer, you do such a phenomenal job at this, this, or this, um, mm-hmm. that, that was like a pure shot of self-esteem right to their jugular, you know, it just <laughs> immediately turned their day around, um, you know, to have employee of the the week or an employee of the month, they love getting mm-hmm. plaques like that. You know, that yeah. means a lot to them. Um, now you have a monetary bonus for that, you know, that, that goes well too, but in my experience, employees will take the recognition. And in fact, I've seen the stat on that, that recognition and like you're saying, meaningful work, but specifically being recognized and and honored in front of your peers um, is, is much higher than having a bonus or how much they get paid for a particular job. So doing those things. And again, it, it goes back to, to valuing your employees. But you have to do that consistently from the business owner or the management standpoint, too, just like being consistent with your customer service. So it's got to be done regularly. It has to they have to feel like they're part of a team. They feel they need to feel like they are um, doing something for the greater good outside of just the the menial tasks that they they have to take care of on a daily basis. So um, it really again, it just has to be that cultural shift of. You know, we are taking care of our internal customers, meaning the employees. And I, you know, I say as good, really, it needs to be better than than you would take care of the external uh, mm-hmm. customers, which is the the customers coming in. Mm. Man, when you say um, like they have to feel part of the team, that resonates with me quite a bit because if you don't have buy in from 
you know, your employees, it's going to be hard to translate that to customers for sure. Have you ever, have you ever encountered a, a, a scenario or circumstance where employees were resistant to change and maybe you had to like, you know, like either gain their trust or get them on board. Do you, what would you say if that was the case? Like I want to start having better customer service, but my employees are very resistant to, to doing that. What would you say? <laughs> oh, that's a great question. And you know, it, it, it comes down to who's running the show. Um, now a lot of employers, business owners, managers, you know, they'll have the, they'll play the, uh, you know, the flavor of the month, you know, the, the, the great idea for the week, you know, Hey, you know, and Monday morning they'll have an office meeting and they're, you know, we're going to do this and we're going to champion this. And, and, uh, um, you know, that lasts for four or five days or maybe a week or two. And then it just dies off. And this, you know, this has happened regularly over and over again. A lot of business owners do this. A lot of managers do this and employees just kind of see through it. They're like, Oh geez, another one of these. So <laughs> yeah. that, that can create, create that scenario where they're resistant to change. Um, they're like, Oh geez, this is just another, you know, two week poster on the wall, you know, mm-hmm. let's be great with customer service. And, you know, yeah. they'll kind of play the part for a little bit and then they know it's not going to last. So you got to be very careful with that. Um, outside of that, if you're really trying to make a cultural change, um, you know, and you have some, some personalities that are resistance to change. Um, you have some personalities that, that are maybe customer facing employees that maybe just don't have that personality where they're real bubbly and real personable and, and, mm-hmm. um, can show that, uh, empathy or that excitement and enthusiasm for the customers. You need to evaluate them and, you know, if it's that big of an issue, if they don't want to get on board, I don't have a They're problem cut. letting employees go. Um, yeah. It because it it becomes a cancer, and your customer service will never be as as effective. It decreases the consistency, and so it just undermines the whole culture. So you have to be very careful with that. Now, I'm not advocating, you know. Well, you know, firing people just at will, you know, you want to give them a chance. You want them to get on board. You want to treat them well. And I've seen that too, where the most, not the most friendly employees or ones that are kind of marginal, maybe a little resistance to change when that business owner grasps the idea of treating those, those employees really well and making them feel valuable and important, their whole mindset and they shift and they're, they're on the ball with great customer service. Um, so, you know, you need to evaluate, um, but at some point, yeah, you, you maybe have to cut your losses. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that for the greater good of what can happen with the business when you are providing consistent, great customer service. Yeah. Yeah. I can definitely say from personal experience, I think my, my peak performance in my job has definitely been when I've, I felt my, my manager and my boss was, encouraging me one to do well but also like you've already said like putting me in positions to succeed recognizing when i do succeed and uh, i think another part of it that i've seen for myself was like having the confidence and faith in in me personally but also things i've also seen is like when a boss is willing to hand over important tasks to employees like that level of trust has also gone a long way so like 
maybe I'm, this is me just thinking out loud here. Like if there was this big culture change that we're trying to undergo, passing it to, you know, an employee that could step up and take care of it. I do kind of see that as a, as a, something that could perpetuate that change too. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we all want to, um, again, going back to feel valuable and part of feeling value valuable is when somebody says, Hey, you know, I trust you. Um, I mm-hmm. want you to, I want you to champion this. I want you to go ahead and, and run it. You know, it's like when we were kids, you know, and that first time you, you know, maybe you get your driver's license and you you know, your parents say, Hey, you know, go, I want you to go to the grocery store, pick mm-hmm. up some groceries or whatever the case may be. And, you know, you feel like a million bucks because they trust you to with the car to go run an errand. And, you know, mm-hmm. you, you, you feel that, uh, you feel, feel important. Um, mm-hmm. and everybody wants that. Yeah, man, that's a, that's a good, I love that, that metaphor you just gave. That's perfect. Um, I'm going to toot your horn a little bit here. Cause I, I, I got some numbers here. It says you got three coaching tiers and you have crazy ROIs for your clients, average ROIs. You know, for your for your one month program, the average ROI return is five k a year, and the three month is twenty k a year, and the six month program it's a hundred k a year. What are these proven strategies you are utilizing to maximize profits like these? This is incredible. Well, and like I just mentioned. Um well, one, I appreciate you tooting my horn, but it, it's not me. Obviously, the you know my clients have to buy in and and want to uh, really champion this the cause and change the culture. So, really, I, I put it on them. They're they're the ones doing the work. I just give them the you know give them the information and and coach and consult them along the way. Um, the key concept here, and like I just mentioned with my programs, it's hitting the and, and I love the 80-20 rule. So we'll, I'll probably talk in a couple, talk about it a couple more times here through this this interview. But we're we're hitting the twenty percent of things that that business or that customers really want from a business standpoint um, in in feeling important, feeling valuable. We're making those work really well. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're narrowing mm-hmm. those things down. We're making those things work really well and making those things stand out. And then the business can re- reap the 80% of the impact that it has because they've done these 20% of core core concepts. They've really made them, uh, championed them and really have narrowed down on them and got really good at it. So that that's the key component to have these crazy ROIs. Man. But then another thing is like the ROI is they're super they're super big, but you you are like a a proponent of like you don't have to spend advertising money to get results similar to this. Like um, I, I think one of your taglines is you're a specialist on helping service based businesses increase revenue twenty five to forty percent with spending less on marketing. How is that? How how is that possible? <laughs> like, like, does my business have to be already meeting a certain quota for this to go down? What's going on? Well, to some degree, yes. So that that that's, I won't say it's me misleading. So yeah, I, I like to say we we're going to enhance marketing that's already in place. Got um, but what we're doing, and and here's the stat that I love, and they, these are this is the name of my programs. They're called the five percent bump programs. All right. So the ROI is outside the 5%. But what we're trying to do is, well, let me, let me tell you the study first. So there, Harvard Business School did, a, did a, a study and they found out if a business will increase their customer retention by a measly 5%. All right. Mm-hmm. So just keep mm-hmm. 
5% more of their customers in their business, buying from them, staying with them, that it can increase profits by 25 to 95%. So hence, that's where the, you know, the huge ROIs come from. So what we're doing is we're improving the customer service, the impact on the customers, what they really want. When that happens, those customers stay with you. So we're increasing that retention. When you do that, those customers want to tell their their buddies about it, their friends, their acquaintances. And so those those people are coming to your business. So you're increasing your acquisition. Um, so when you put those two together, generally, most of the time, 99% of the time, that's going to increase profits, obviously. So when you're doing that and your customers are referring and being the mouthpiece for you and really taking over your advertising then you can actually not spend as much on advertising. Mm-hmm. And so you can take that money and put it toward your bottom line too. So that's how that increases that, uh, that bottom line, that tremendous profit margin by 25 to 95% by just increasing the retention by 5%. That's insane. Up to 95% is immaculate. That would be a beautiful thing. Does, it would. <laughs> are, yeah. Or is there, is there, um, any correlation to these strategies with maybe product-based businesses as well? They are. Now, you know, there's different timetables and buying cycles and, and things that go on for each business, obviously. Mm-hmm. So, you know, from a chiropractic standpoint, you know, depending on the patient, depending on the condition, you know, they may come in a several times a week or I may not see them for you know, once or twice, three times, four times a year, that type of thing, you know, for a real estate agent, you know, they're not going to sell the same person a house three times a year, four times a year. Right. Um, so the, the key here too, in back to customer service is you want to create referrals. Um, mm-hmm. That's part of the, the concept. So depending on the, the buying cycle, the product, um, you want to have a stellar product. You want to have the customer service where when they are in the actual buying that they feel valuable. Um, but you want to do it in a way that they're going to refer um, to create, create that, uh, uh, that re- well, not just the retention, but create those referrals. So again, mm-hmm. that goes back to not having to do so much marketing. So again, it's, it, it every business is different. You know, and it, that's why we say 25 to 95% increase in, in profit because it depends on the product, the service, the procedure that, uh, that any particular business is giving. Yeah. Man, my goodness. I, I feel like this is. Hello again, listeners. It's Jason, the superfan here, interrupting the show for just a second to tell you how you too can be a superfan. Share this episode with a friend, take a screenshot of the episode and post it to your social media account, and don't forget to tag us at Nicholas Natale. You can also drop us a five-star review wherever it is you listen to podcasts. Now back to the interview. Like simple and straightforward. I'm, I'm baffled as to why why businesses aren't stepping up their customer service game. What's What do you... What do you see most often? What are business owners typically getting wrong that need correcting with their customer service? Well, we touched on on it a, a few minutes ago. Um, one of the keys is they're just inconsistent with it. You know, it's just a on and off again. You know, one day it's great, one day it's bad. One employee is great, one employee is bad, um, and that that just undermines everything as far as trying to provide great customer service. 
The other issue that I see regularly is that a lot of business owners, a lot of business leaders think they're already providing great customer service. Oh, and wow, so that's a misperception. If if you think you're providing great customer service, there's no need to fix your customer service. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so, and and the and the truth is, most businesses do provide pieces of great customer service. You know, they do a little bit of this and they a little bit of this, but they're inconsistent and they don't see the holes and the problems and they don't survey their customers. Most businesses are really, they get focused on sales. So they're very mm. sales minded instead of being service minded. They're very transaction minded instead of being relationship minded. So that's my job is to help them understand you know, kind of take the blinders off, help them see where they may be missing the boat, where they are missing the boat, where there's holes that they are losing customers or losing sales. And obviously that leads to lost revenue and, and decreased profits and help them sure that up. That That's the key. But you have to, you know, if you don't have a, if you don't think you have a problem, then there's nothing. There's no say. problem. Exactly. So, <laughs> so that, that's a big, uh, that's a big issue that I run across regularly. All right. So let's say I'm convinced, you know, I, I'm, I'm gung-ho. I, I now feel like I need to change my customer service. I need to switch my mindset to being more relational oriented with the customer. What's my first step? What's the, what is the best first step? First thing I can, I can show up to work on Monday or tomorrow, whenever it is and say, guys, this is what we're, this is where we're starting. What would I do? Well, that's kind of a loaded question, but it is. Um, <laughs> simple answer are two things. And, and this is, one is this, this is going to help with the mindset. And, and this is my mission statement or was my mission statement in my chiropractic offices. It still is um, with the docs that are there now. This is my mission statement really for my consulting. This is the mission statement that I recommend all my clients adopt for their customer service. And that is to be the best part of your client, customer, patient's day. That should mm-hmm. be your focus every time you are with the consumer, to be mm-hmm. the best part of their day. And to me, that encompasses all that is right about customer service. If that's your focus, if that's your mentality, that, that'll that kind of gear you and, and put you on the right path of what actions you should take to do just that and making your consumer, your customer uh, happier and valued when you're trying to be the best part of your day. So just have that mentality is huge. Now, there's a couple of simple, easy action items that a business can just take immediately that will Mm -hmm. create a different perception as far as the customer service and improve it immediately. So the first one is smiling. It seems so obvious. It seems so easy. It seems like, yeah, we, we know that. But if you'll, if you'll actually go into a business and see how many of the employees are actually smiling, you'll, you'll understand why I say that. And in my mm-hmm. offices and what I, what I teach my clients is your employees should wear a smile just like any uniform they have on. Mm-hmm. It, should, it should be part of their uniform. A smile mm-hmm. is the universal welcome. It makes people feel calm um, it puts them at ease. It's very welcoming. So everybody should be wearing a smile. 
it just gives a whole different perception when you walk into a business and everybody's smiling, hence Chick-fil-A, you know, those employees mm-hmm. are smiling, you know, they're excited you're there. Uh, and again, that just, that puts you at ease. It makes you feel welcome to, you know, that they, they are interested in, in, and happy that you have come in to buy a chicken sandwich from them. So the, the second thing that a business can do, and again, it, it's so simple and easy and I call it, you know, matters matter. But basically, it's mm-hmm. just using the phrases, please, thank you, and you're welcome. Mm-hmm. Adding those three phases to your everyday conversations with your customers. So simple, so easy, but so effective because they show they show respect to the person that you're talking to and that you're using those phrases with. And the key to you, these phrases, it's not only face-to-face with a customer, you know, certainly on the phone as well. But also mm-hmm. using them in email and in text messages. You know, mm-hmm. text messages. We get text messages from businesses all the time. They, you know, reminders or for surveys. And rarely do they have a "Please, can you do this? Thank you. You're welcome." In them. So that's mm-hmm. a key area. And again, it's just communicating value. When you use those phrases, it communicates value. So again, smiling and using those manner phrases are simple, easy things that a business can do. takes no training to do, um, but will have an Im- immediate impact on the perception from the customer standpoint on the level of customer service being provided by that business. Yeah, man, that, I, I totally agree. They're so small and so simple, yet they go such a far away. Like I'm the first th- thing you I thought of when you said... Um, to smile more is the DMV. That's like they're <laughs> notorious for not smiling. You know, it's like they don't want you there. You don't want to be there. It's the whole thing's a mess that's, from the get. That's a study of, you know, what not to do in customer service is what, <laughs> what the DMV is. So, <laughs> yeah, so, so maybe there's your baseline. What, whatever you think the DMV would do, do the opposite. And exactly. You're probably on track for a good customer service. That's a good point. I may have to adopt that in some of my, my trainings. You know, Whatever they're doing, do the opposite. And you'll have <laughs> decent customer service. So here's something I want to know. So you, you've ran a business for nearly 20 years, and it was profitable and a success, which that is a huge accomplishment in itself. Did you develop any personal habits at running the business that made a big difference? Absolutely. Um, fortunately, I've had a lot of good coaches. Um, I'm a huge advocate of coaches, and that's that's part of the reason I turned to become a coach and a consultant because I've seen the impact that they've had on me. So that's that's one key component. But through coaching, you know, they helped me to to learn a few things um, and and make some habits. One is to have a continuous learning attitude, always learning, Mm. always learning something new. There's always something I can learn. I can be better at. Um, I, I can take away from, um, so just looking for, for opportunities. One, one thing that I do habitually though, is I read 30 minutes every day. That's Mm. part of my morning routine. I read and I read and I read and I don't just read to read. I read inspirational informational or um, anything that's going to give me, you know, an edge basically. And Mm -hmm. I'll read them on my, my tablets. And then if I come across something that I like, I'll copy it and paste it into a note. And then at the end of the book, I will take that note and I will put it into a document that I then 
uh, printout and I have binders full of books. They're, they're almost like my own cliff. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then I will, during the year, take those cliff notes from those books and go back through them and take, take sections wow. back out of what I thought was important and put them into documents and, and things to help me continue to learn or where I can put that into, you know, my coaching or consulting or part of my programs or whatever the case may be. So I'm always looking f- to learn, um, knowing that I could always be improving. Um, you don't ever want to be, um, you always want to be green and growing. You don't ever want to mm-hmm. be ripe and rotting. No. So yes, it's very true. That's, and I, I've, I learned that from one of my coaches very early on and I've adopted that. I've made that a habit and it has served me very well through the years. Yeah. That sounds like a wonderful habit. Where do you select your books from? If I may ask, because like, do you have a, do you keep track of a list? Do you have a, a go-to website that you're like, this place is constantly updating good books to read. What's uh, where do you get them? Um, a lot of times I'll get them from the books I'm reading, you know, they'll say, you know, I, you know, a quote from this book or this author did that. So I'll pick some off of that. Sometimes I'll just go to, you know, I'll go to Amazon and I'll put in, you know, Hey, customer service books and pop that or, or, uh, you know, uh, consulting books or Mm -hmm. marketing books or what, you know, whatever I'm searching for just to see, you know, maybe new releases or, uh, those type of things. Um, you know, friends, you know, acquaintances, my coaches, mm-hmm. um, you know, give me an idea, um, newsletters. So they come from all over the place. So I can't say specifically just one, um, you know, something will catch my eye or I'll see it and I'll, you know, I'll go pull it up on my iPad and, and, uh, read, Snag the, it. read the information on it. And if it looks good, let's buy it, put it in the, in the bookshelf and, uh, uh, get to it eventually. So I, uh, I ended up reading, which was kind of an off year. I read, I think, 42 books last year. So I, I tried to do one a week. I didn't quite obviously get that, but uh, 42 is not too bad. But um, <laughs> 42 yeah, is great. <laughs> I, uh, I, do, I do read all the time. And then, I, you know, speaking of learning, you know, I'm, I'm learning from podcasts. I'm, you know, I listen to audio books. I listen to uh, um, videos. I watch videos on YouTube, you know, concerning certain, you know, motivation or, uh, certain things that I'm trying to narrow down now. So again, you can, you could learn from anything. Um, mm-hmm. it's just having the attitude. That's really the key component, um, to, to keep increasing your knowledge base. Hmm. Man, uh, that is fantastic information. I I'm super curious as to what your full morning routine is then. So I, I'm, do you have a full, like, this is what I do every day. This is, this is what keeps me steady. I what do. So I typically get up about five 30 in the morning, um, grab my, grab my cup of coffee and then hit my, uh, my recliner recliner in my office. Mm-hmm. Uh, first thing I do, I, I'm a man of faith. So I'm going to, I'm going to read the scriptures and then, mm-hmm. uh, I have some prayer time. Um, after that I'll, uh, I go ahead and do my reading. I'll get my 30 minutes of, of reading out of the way. Uh, from there, I'll actually I'll study a little bit, uh, go through customer service information and um, some of the different documents I have. So I'll study for a little bit just to uh, maybe get new ideas or just enhance some of the ideas I already have. Um, so I'll work on that for just a few minutes. I don't spend a whole lot of time on that initially, but I'll look at that. Um, and then uh, I always text my my family. Um, mm. 
I don't know. I started this habit several years ago, but I'll, I'll text them, you know, I love you. I appreciate you. You know, I'm proud of you. Um, and, and most of the time I'll, I'll put a scripture in with them for, for them to look at that day. Mm-hmm. Um, from there I'll, I'll exercise. I exercise in some form or fashion every day. Um, mm-hmm. I don't spend a whole lot of time exercising really only half an hour at the most. Um, and I have several different routines that I'll do. And then from there I'll get cleaned up and then, uh, generally eight thirty nine o'clock I'll hit the computer and, and start working on, uh, my, uh, my to-do list and, and, uh, get, uh, get the day started. That's awesome. Yeah. I think there's something really insightful from of what you just provided, like the, the, the insight of what makes people successful. I almost, I think it's in their habits. Um, and I've recently been trying to figure out, is it more from like motivation or from people habitually creating routines that are itching, inching, inching them towards success each day? So that, what would you say in, in regards to the, like, um, like, do you feel most of the days it's your habits coming into play, pushing you toward something greater or are you driving off of motivation? Yeah, it, it's habits. Um, you can't, rely on motivation. Motivation is unfortunate fleeting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes it's there, sometimes it's not. So you can't, you can't count on that. Um, cause those times that it's not, you know, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Um, and so you got to be very careful with that. Um, habits are, are the key. Now the key to habits though, um, and you may have heard this before, but our thoughts, you know, what we really put in our mind. So we got to be very careful what we're putting in our mind. So that's why I put books and audiobooks and those things that are obviously going to help me learn and, and grow my knowledge, but they're also positive and they're, and, and they're helping me create the right thoughts because the thoughts we have create our actions. Mm-hmm. All right. So certain actions are going to be created out of our thoughts. Well, when we take certain actions and we do those on a regular basis, that regular basis, that's what creates our habits. Mm-hmm. Um, so that starts with our thoughts. Our thoughts create our actions. Our actions create our habits. Our habits create our character, who we are, mm-hmm. what we're going to achieve, those type of things, but what we habitually do. And, and our character ultimately determines our destiny and what we achieve in the grand scheme of things. But again, it all rolls back to the, the thoughts. So you, you got to be careful with your thoughts. And what, yeah. what, what is actually you're putting in your head that is going to influence the thoughts you have on a regular basis, because that, that goes back to the motivation. You know, if you have negative thoughts or you're, you're more problem oriented and you're focusing on those issues, you know, you're going to create a, you know, a negative spiral basically. And there, you know, <laughs> it's hard to get mm-hmm. motivated when you're in that, that mindset. So we have to be very careful of that. So feed in your mind the right things to create the right thoughts, to create the right actions, to create the right habits. That's the key. It's, yeah, and it's a perpetual cycle, really, because once you develop the habits that form your character, your character is probably going to want to do those habits even more. So but it's like it's almost like just getting started with the right habits and then sticking with it for until it sticks, then you, you're good to go, it seems like. This is true, um, but it does take... You know, depending on who you read or you study, 30 to 90 days to create new habits. So you do have to, you know, like we were talking about consistency and customer service, you have to be consistent with your your actions and to create those habits that uh, 
that you need to have. Um, we all, you know, we all have good habits. We all have bad habits. So the same holds true is, is, you know, mm-hmm. looking at the bad habits, it takes a while to undo the bad habits. So they don't just, <laughs> you just yeah. don't undo them overnight either. So you have to, again, help, you know, help have the right thoughts and start taking the right actions to undo some bad habits. That is, that is definitely the truth. Uh, definitely resonate with <laughs> trying to get rid of bad habits because boy, do they, they stick just as well. They do. Uh, I'm curious when you decided, or maybe when you knew you should reach out to a coach to, to have a coach for your business. When I, when I knew, um, yeah, that's a great question. I, uh, I was in my practice for about four years Mm -hmm. and I was doing okay, Mm -hmm. but I always knew what I wanted to do and Mm -hmm. I just couldn't, you know, I plateaued and I tried this and that and here and there, and I just couldn't push through. Mm -hmm. Um, and one of my, my good friends from chiropractic school, uh, had hired a, a coach and a consultant and his business took off. Um, and so I said, let me have their name and number because <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired of beating my head on a wall here. I'm doing okay, mm-hmm. but nowhere near where I want to be. Um, let's see what's happening. And that's, that's the key to coaching. Cause it's, they see things from an objective point of view, you know, they, they're outside the circumstances, um, and they can give you that guidance of, okay, you know, here's, here's what's happening and here's what you need to do. You're, you're, you, you know, I got to the point where I was doing, you know, it's kind of the definition of insanity. I kept doing the same thing over and over and, and expecting different results. And the coach comes in, okay, let's, <laughs> let's quit doing that. Quit being frustrated mm-hmm. with that. Let's look at this objectively, <laughs> see what you're doing. Here's where you need to correct. Let's move this way and see what happens. And as soon as I did that, uh, obviously uh, my businesses started taking off as well. Um, and I actually outgrew coaches and, and wow. consultants. So uh, initially, yeah, they'd help me got to a certain level, but then I had to move to a different coach because they were more in line with what I was doing at that point. And then again, outgrew them and moved to a different one. So, um, obviously I'm a big advocate of coaching, but the key mm-hmm. to coaching too, and this, this is a great point. And this is what I tell my clients and those that I'm, you know, I'm uh, starting to work with is uh, when you work with a coach, you, you, not only learn what to do, but you're also learning from their mistakes and, and what not to do. Um, Mm -hmm. and that's, that is incredibly valuable when you know what not to do, Mm -hmm. you know, what to do, but also stay away from what not to do. Because that, like I said, early in my chiropractic career, that would have saved me tremendous amount of frustration, time and money. So that, Mm -hmm. that is really a, a key component to, to hiring a good coach, to have that, have that aspect of their coaching that, to steer you in the direction of what to to do, but also keep you away from doing, you know, keeping uh, you away from doing those things that you shouldn't be doing. Yeah, I'm reassured by uh, your ability to grow and scale and then outgrow the coaches because I don't know, there's something to like knowing that this person and place and time has its purpose. And now I've surpassed that and I'm ready for the next challenge. So I think that's a that's really a a cool part of your, your journey. 
Well, I can't I can't say enough good about coaching, obviously. So um, it's important. And, you know, if you look at the top athletes, if you look at the top business people, um, really look at anybody at the top of whatever they do, I guarantee you they mm-hmm. currently have, which that that is the case, or have had many coaches to help them get to that point. It's just the way it is. Um, so that's, you know, it's, it's not just me and my philosophy, uh, the, the top people in, in pretty much every industry or sport has coaches or had coaches help them get to that point. Yeah, that's a, that is a great note. I I can't tell you how many times I've (laughs) had the discussion of somebody saying like, oh man, LeBron's so in shape, but I bet you he pays somebody to keep him in shape like that. And it's like, yes, absolutely. Why wouldn't you, if you had the ability to use somebody else's expertise to, <laughs> to benefit you. Why would you not pay for something like that? And it's like, we almost kind of view it as like something we can't do for ourselves, but that's totally not the case. We can, there's, there's people with experience in every industry that are willing to shed their knowledge. You being exactly. a perfect example. And it, you know, and, and, a lot of cases, it's not as expensive as people may think it is. So you just have to do a little research and look around. And, and a lot of times you can find somebody that, you know, if you're scrapped for cash, they can find somebody that can help you out and, and move forward and uh, to a higher income bracket. Then you can, you know, hire higher level coaches and, and just keep moving forward. But uh, the key is, you know, to, to one, understand that concept and then to take action on it. Mm-hmm. Very true. Dr. Kelly Henry, I'm going to say some nice things about you, and then we're going to dive into the final question. I want to acknowledge you, Dr. Kelly Henry, for one, caring about people so much. It's it's super evident that you do. And I think even the idea of encouraging businesses to have better customer service is in turn serving people better and making people more relational and making people have more empathy. And I also want to acknowledge you for coming on the podcast and sharing your knowledge and all of your experience to help other people. I think that's, that's huge. And it definitely shows, as we talked about with habits, your character and, um, your, your desire to give to people. I think that's super admirable. So one, thank you for coming on the show. I, I appreciate that Nicholas and, and really thank you for the opportunity. My, one of my favorite quotes, just to, to tie into what you just said, um, is from Zig Ziglar. And he said that you can have everything you want in life if you help enough others get what they want in life. Hmm. Um, and that, that's really been my focus to, to serve others first. Um, and, and obviously that's what I, I try to do with, it's what I did in my chiropractic offices and what I'm trying to do in my, my consulting work now is to uh, help others get what they want because I know it'll help me get what I want, but I've got to serve first. And I've been incredibly blessed. So, um, I, I, I can't say that, I, you know, I, I'm nothing special to be honest with you. Um, I'll be the first to say that I've made many, many mistakes. I've, uh, uh, you know, I've done tons of things wrong. You know, fortunately I've been able to do a few things right. Um, but I've never wavered on trying to serve as much as I could first. And I, you know, I haven't at times I didn't do as well as I should have in that, in that realm and on that idea, um, but I always seem to get back to it. So, you know, for your listeners, if I can encourage you to do one thing is just try to adopt that attitude of, again, 
understand that you can have everything you want if you'll help enough others get what they want. And you do that by serving them first, having that mindset of serving instead of trying to sell, try to make relationships instead of transactions. Ultimately, that will turn around and help you profit more when you're serving first. Man, that is a that is a wonderful mindset. And I I will for sure be taking that on as much as I can. I'm really, really encouraged by that. Where can the people find you on the internet? How can my listeners get in touch with you? Absolutely. If you can remember Dr. Kelly Henry, <laughs> drkellyhenry.com is my website. And then Dr. Kelly Henry, you can find me Facebook, LinkedIn, or Instagram. So pretty simple to find me. I do have a new book out called Define and Deliver Exceptional Customer Service. So grab a copy of that. It's an easy read. It is not full of fluff. Um, it just has simple actions, principles, and rules that a business can take a hold of right now, implement, and make a huge difference in their business and change that business into the customer service culture that it should have and start maximize those profits. So you can find that book on anywhere that uh, you buy books. Um, you can find it on my website. So I'd encourage you to grab that book, read it, implement it, um, and uh, make a difference in your business just, just almost immediately. And everything that you just mentioned, I will throw in the show notes. So if anybody is is eager to snag the book, it'll be there and you can just buy it directly there. Dr. Kelly Henry, thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate it. Nicholas, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Again, thanks for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Till next time, we'll see you. That's the end of the episode. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next Friday with brand new content. As great as this episode was, I know you didn't forget about the riddle. I didn't either. How do construction workers party? They raise the roof. If you stuck around for the riddle, I'm sure you're satisfied. If you stuck around because you love us, let us know. Leave us a review. Find out more ways to support us in the show notes. See you next week.